Welcome to the Metaphysical Martini Show, where wit and wisdom come together to bridge the gap between the spirit realm and the physical world. With Ani Avedisian, the Mad Shaman, a production of CosmicReality.com. Hello, everyone. I'm Ani, Mad Shaman Avedisian. Welcome to Metaphysical Martini. Three part spirit, one part rational mind. Add two drops of optimism, give it all a good hard shake and pour, dress it with the olives of grace and empathy, sit back, sip slowly, and contemplate the wonder of cosmic co-creation. And a hearty hello to everyone out there. Hello, hello, hello. Thanks for joining me for yet another round of cocktails on this week's Metaphysical Martini. The show that tries to sort out what's true, what's woo, and what gets flushed down the loo. In today's, millions of parents have just sacrificed their children to the Dark Lord. How long until we round up the evil ones and put them to the sword? What in blazes is the matter with the people of planet Earth? They scream about abortion, yet take the death jab, which will result in stillbirth. Mandates are not laws, yet people act like sniveling cowards and acquiesce. We are so very far from showing ourselves at our best. Embarrassing, polarizing, spiraling, out of control, sad little world. As always, my darlings, we try to do this with as much grace and empathy as can be mustered on any given day. We are not always successful, rarely so, I'll admit to that, but we are honour bound to give it our best shot. And on this show, the Metaphysical Martini Show, we do love shots. Yes, we do. In fact, let me take a sip of this Lilliputian libation. Mm. Ooh, spicy. And like yours truly, it is little but mighty. If you're joining us for the first time, I extend a very warm welcome. Be advised, we don't do politically correct on this show, as we do not wish to erode our intellect. We don't sugarcoat anything here, nor do we avoid difficult subjects. We tackle the meat of the day with guts, with gusto, and with a goodly amount of spiritual ammo. If you identify as soft or overly sensitive or feeble-minded, if you believe critical race theory has merit, and if you believe the government has your best interests at heart and that mainstream news tells the truth, then, well, clearly you are delusional and this show is not for you. So move along now, my darlings. Nothing to see here. If on the other hand, you see the world for what it is and understand that your true nature is pure cosmic energy temporarily manifest as a human. You might find something of value here. You might even make friends or find your tribe. We martini heads, some of whom are actually teetotal, strange but true. We live in the real world, not in the paranoid and incoherent matrix known as the official narrative. We believe conformity is for the weak-minded, obedient servants of the dark state. We martini heads serve no one, bend the knee to no one from the mortal realm. We are not establishment retainers. We are rebels with a cause. And that cause is the preservation of our God-given right to freedom, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. If America is no longer the land of the free, it is because it is no longer the home of the brave. Look at you all, walking around like beaten down zombies, wearing face diapers just to buy yourselves a bit of food. Honestly, if you are still doing this, you should be ashamed of yourselves. You are proving to the Dark Lord that you will submit to anything just to go about your business as usual. 
submitting to the one prick to trick them all, giving away your freedoms one by one, and all because you froze in fear and stopped thinking for yourselves. You allowed the dark establishment to do the thinking, to take over your minds, your hearts, every aspect of your daily lives. And now, by accepting what is essentially the mark of the beast into your bodies, you put your souls in jeopardy. Well done you. An amazing achievement, an amazing show of mind-boggling weakness and all in the space of under 19 months. Is awakening happening, though? I believe it is. Mouth of Sauron news channels won't report it, but hundreds of thousands take to the streets daily, especially in Europe. Tens of thousands have been fired from their jobs for refusing to accept the mark of the beast, and kudos to everyone choosing to continue their incarnation with their ancestral coding intact. Now, to those who fell for the bullshit of the beast, but have since become aware of the agenda behind the agenda behind the agenda of the agenda, take heart, my brothers and sisters. There is much love for you here. The demon parasites will work against you for as long as they believe they are welcome in your bodies. That's the one trick. The one trick. Once you decide they are not welcome, they will become confused and disoriented. But as you persevere in affirming your cosmic divine codes as the primary operating system in your bodies, the little buggers will stop replicating and they will dissolve and they will disappear. This can all be over tomorrow if everyone refuses to acquiesce to the illegal, immoral, indecent mandates put forth by the dark establishment. You all went from outcasts of other countries to pioneers, to freedom fighters, to proud Americans, to sheep, to lab rats. The next step is transhumanism, followed by posthumanism, and souls do not live in posthuman robot bodies. So what exactly is the point of continuing the charade? Where's your grit, America? Where's your gumption? Peeps, if you're on the fence, if you know in your heart, deep in your soul, that something smells fishier than Newport on a hot summer day, for the love of God, do something about it. Reach out. Research alternative news sources. Find like-minded people. Engage in open discussion. Don't just bury your heads in the sand and wait for someone else to take action. That is not a freedom fighter's mentality. That is not an American mentality. That is a mind-controlled slave's mentality. Ask yourselves, what am I a slave to? Who has shackled my mind? Is this my life, my body, or did I lease it from Ichabod's Rentabod? My darlings, it's way past time to stop acting like pumpkins. Grow up. Take your country back from those who openly worship darkness. Or be a whimpering, obedient, easily manipulated minion. And if you choose the latter, shame on you and good luck with that. I love this country. I'm a patriot. I'm not ashamed of that. I glory in that. I jumped through hoops to get my green card some three decades plus ago, and I did everything legally and correctly. I'm a proud American. And as a shaman, I believe America has a sacred purpose and I will fight to the last drop of my blood if necessary to see that purpose fulfilled. Now, my comments, they're in no shape or form romanticized. I am no romantic, I assure you, but I speak straight from my heart with my own mind when I say that if America falls, the Luciferian globalist totalitarian scumbags will take the planet. 
and it will be trench warfare for those who refuse to turn their faces from the divine. And let me just put it out there, my darlings. I'm getting too old for trench warfare. So hurry up and wake up all you stragglers, laggards and dawdlers. I don't want to spend my retirement in a Texas bunker eating spam and counting my reloads while drinking cheap whiskey. That is not what I deserve. It's not what anyone deserves. Ah, deep breath. And I do feel so much better after my pontification session. So let's move on to quack. Questions, answers and comments. The main reason for the show. To find out what lurks in the inner corridors of the minds of you, the people. If you would like to dazzle our listeners with your brilliance, send your missives to me, Cosmic Arnie, P.O. Box 714, Wilsonville, Oregon, 97070, America the Beautiful. And please let me know if and how you wish to be identified, or I will refer to you as omit personal details, or I might refer to you as Megawatta Sakanaputri. It just depends what mood I'm in. All right, let's shake up the fishbowl of perpetual perplexity and see what pops up. God, that's a lot of peas there. Ah, oh, shaky, shaky, shaky. Hmm, let's have a little sip of this little darling drink here. Hmm. <coughs> oh, that is spicy. All right. Our first question is not signed, but it is written on a postcard from Branson, Missouri. So the nameless Missourian asks, Ani. My bartender, oh, I like you already. <laughs> my bartender says acupuncture will help with my migraines, but my wife says it only works for Chinese people. Is that true? Um, <laughs> woohoo, uh, wow, why on earth would that be true? Why would it work only for Chinese people? Who did you marry? I mean, OK, Chinese people have the same anatomy and physiology as the rest of the human race. So if you're a hungry American and you eat Chinese food, will it appease your hunger? Of course it will. If an American takes the laundry to a Chinese laundry, will the laundry get cleaned? Of course it will. How on earth your wife came up with that theory is beyond me, but moving on. Acupuncture works for any condition, not just migraines, but migraine sufferers, um, they will attest to its efficacy. You see, acupuncture works by addressing balance in the in the whole body, by keeping the body balanced. When we do that, we avoid disease. And way back in the day, doctors of acupuncture were paid as long as the patient remained healthy. If the patient succumbed to illness, the doctor was not paid. The Western model is very different. Um, and of course, today, the Western model is engaged in genocide, not health. But if you want to understand oriental medicine, um, there's a book that was written a while ago. I suggest you read it. It's called The Web That Has No Weaver. Understanding Chinese Medicine. And it's by a chap called Ted Kapchuk. K-A-P-T-C-H-U-K, um, and he's a, a doctor of oriental medicine, the web that has no weaver. And that will explain it all to you in layman's terms. So thank you from Branson, Missouri, uh, for your question. All right, let's take another question. And this one is from a chap called Landon, who asks, Arnie, what do you think of the metaverse? Good, bad, or indifferent. Mm. Landon, when we talk about the metaverse, indifference is not an option. If you've seen the Matrix movie, you'll know what I mean. Artificial intelligence, well, it's inevitable, isn't it? But who controls it, how it's used, that's what makes all the difference. It's neither good nor bad, but it can be used either way. Mm. If humans are going to plug themselves into a virtual world 24 seven, 
Well, I'll say that's not humanity, that's slavery. You see, here's my take on it. We already are in a metaverse. It's called the universe. We co-created the entire cosmos from nothing, from no thing. We are spirit forms who discovered somewhere along the way that our thoughts are capable of creating a physical reality that is called a universe. And every day we play World of Earthcraft. This podcast is a quest we are all currently on. Our souls projected themselves onto this ready-made physical realm, one that we co-created in previous incarnations. We chose an avatar. Mine's called Ani Abadissian, and she's a shaman. And each day, that avatar negotiates that realm to the best of its ability. As best I can, I make my own decisions and choose which quests to pursue. And I will say, on the other side, up there in heaven, my avatar was carefully chosen from millions of available bloodlines as the one best suited to play the game of life at the desired level. It was chosen by me. You know, we all are in some sort of holographic projection. It can't be any other way because all points in space and time exist simultaneously. So all life is a projection from the core of source energy, what shamans call the islands of paradise. We chose this universe. We created this universe. And if we understand our true nature, and if we understand personal accountability, we are 100% in charge of how we play the game of life. And we write most of it as we go along. We do that for our soul's growth and for the expansion of consciousness in general. Why then, having been given such autonomy, would I want to plug into someone else's vision of how life should be lived? Especially today, when I know beyond all shadow of doubt that the people pushing the metaverse are thralls of pure evil. I don't need artificial intelligence to go on an adventure. I have legs. I don't need artificial intelligence to fill my brain with multiple flashes of brilliant color, turning me into an overstimulated AI junkie. I have a kaleidoscope, and that tickles my pleasure senses without overstimulating them. And let me just say, Everything we warned you about with regard to New World Order, medical tyranny, the normalization of deviant behavior, all of that is happening right now. We were right about all of it, and we are right about this. This new metaverse being marketed by people, the people who are marketing this, they're no longer human. Check the eyes if you don't believe me. This metaverse is the dark establishment's dream to create a post-human race of automatons which require no souls to operate. Robots to do the bidding of the Lucifer-worshipping globalist totalitarian scumbags, which is my polite name for them. I don't have anything against artificial intelligence. We have to have it. I mean, and you know, I play World of Warcraft with my guild, two, sometimes three hours each week. We meet up in Azeroth. We have a virtual drink in the virtual tavern before going out and raiding virtual demons in lands far, far away. After which we regroup at the virtual tavern, have another virtual drink to decompress, and then we bid each other adieu until the following Tuesday night when the raids are all reset. And after that weekly raid, we all go back to our human-verse lives. How is it as humans with, if we but knew it, unlimited power to create anything we wish? How is it that in a universe which we filled with wonders, we have created ennui? So much history to learn from, and this is where we are today? It's a bit embarrassing, really. All right. 
Let's take another question. And this is from Piotr, P-I-O-T-R, the Polish, Russian, something along those lines. Um, Piotr asks, Ani, do the Ten Commandments have anything to teach us in this age of insanity? Perhaps it would be better to let it all go, destroy everything, and start from the beginning. Well, Piotr, it is tempting, isn't it? <laughs> um, but far too easy. I think it will be destroyed, as in everything will collapse under the weight of its own dysfunction. We can see the beginning of that now. You know, those who can see beyond the official narrative of propagandist lies, um, we can see it's beginning to crumble. The whole official narrative is like a big boat and it's got so many holes in it, we're going to run out of fingers. So let's look at the Ten Commandments and let's see if we have any use for them. And why do we have the Ten Commandments anyway? Where did they come from? Well, if you're to believe the official narrative, the Israelites were losing their way morally during their long journey. And they turned away from God and started worshipping golden idols. And they may have done that, but I don't think that that's where we get the Ten Commandments from. But anyway, we'll go along with that for now. Um, I, I don't believe that that's actually true because the Ten Commandments are basic guidelines for honourable behaviour. And they exist in other cultures and they exist in cultures that predate Moses. But anyway, back to Moses. Bo Moses, Moses, Moses is looking around at his fellow Israelites. They're all gone bonkers. They've lost their way and he wants to set things straight. So he takes dictation from the forces divine and comes back with Ten Commandments, which we are told were inscribed in stone and kept in the covenant of the Ark. All right. Well, we can go along with that for now. What are these Ten Commandments and what do they mean? People think things are black and white. <clears throat> there are no things that are black and white. In a physical realm with polarity, there's multiple levels between black and white. First commandment. I am the Lord thy God. Thou shalt not have any gods before me. All right. What does that mean? What does it refer to? I mean, does that mean there are other gods? Is, is God saying, well, there are other gods, but I'm your God and I don't want you worshipping those gods. So it's me or nothing. Hmm. In this context, I'm going to have to take it that it's a commandment that's forbidding idolatry. The worship of um, a graven image. Gods, goddesses, that sort of thing. It um, it doesn't want us to believe in many gods. It just wants us to know that there is one force, the belief of one God. So no more golden calves, Israelites, no more building temples to Isis, Shmisis and uh, worshipping statues of Roman emperors or whatever. But how does that help us? Because we don't know how many gods there are. We know that there's one source creator. I am. If you go by old religions, they personify Many different aspects of our world, the goddess of the wheat sheaf, the god of the sea, the goddess of the moon, the god of the sun. Are they gods? Are they just personifications? How do we use this commandment? I am the Lord thy God and thou shalt have no gods before me. Well, I'm going to interpret it this way. There is one life force that runs through the entire cosmos. And that is pure, unconditional love, the vibration of source creator I am. So from my point of view, I'm going to say this means know the big picture. All right. Moving on. Commandment number two. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. And what does that mean? Because God surely isn't an egomaniac 
It's not possible to mock God or insult God. Far too big. Doesn't have an ego. It doesn't have a personality. That's why we're here. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. So it's asking the faithful to honor the name of God, which I'm assuming also means just to honor God. Well, my take on that, if you believe God created you, then you are a manifestation of God. So you're a part of God. You're an extension of God. You are an experience that God is having. So why wouldn't you respect your divinity? God is always going to be greater than the sum total of all its parts. But if you honor yourself as a manifestation of that energy, then if you take the name of the Lord in vain, then you take your existence in vain. And those are not sound spiritual practices. So I'm going to go with that for now. Commandment number three. Remember to keep holy the Sabbath day. Well, if you're going to go with the Jewish thing of Shabbat, that begins at sundown on Friday evening and lasts until sundown on Saturday. Um, but then, you know, everybody wants a holy day. It's not just if you're Jewish. So Christians would treat the Lord's Day on a Sunday. What is this saying? Why are we keeping holy the Sabbath day? Well, for a start, you can't be all work all the time. You get caught up in life, caught up in the shiny, caught up in the material, and your body and your mind overstress. This is a very sensible commandment. You've got to take at least one day off a week and just spend it with your friends, spend it with your family, spend it praying together. There's something that rarely happens anymore on a daily basis. You know, when I was young, Families had an evening meal together and they prayed. And even if it was the prayer was just to bless the food and then afterwards to give thanks for the food. They came together as a family, discussed the day, gave each other advice, uh, critical family feedback. So that's a very good commandment. These days, we don't see that sort of family bond. Everyone's so busy. Everyone's working. The kids have got digital devices. They're much more interested in going on TikTok or SchmickTok or whatever it is than <coughs> hanging out and getting, you know, sharing their wisdom of the elders. Um, I like that one. Keep keep one day a week at least holy. Personally, I'm all for a three day weekend. And if I was ever in charge, if I was ever the minister of religion for, for, for Earth, um, I would have three Sabbath days in a row. But uh, anyway, there we go. All right. Number four. Honor thy father and mother. Hmm. Well, at first glance, you'd go, well, that makes sense. I mean, they gave you birth. Um, honor thy father and mother. Show respect to your parents, both, uh, you know, when you're a child and when you're an adult. Uh, listen to your parents' guidance. Um, they're there to guide you, to help you. And then when they are older and they're infirm, it's your turn to look after them. That very much is the correct order of things. What if your father and mother are horrible people? Are you bound to honor them? No, not as horrible people. You acknowledge that their personalities are horrible and they didn't treat you well. And there could be a million and one reasons for that. Because nobody gets a handbook on how to play the game of life. But you can honor the fact that you came through them. Whatever the circumstances of your birth were, you chose those birth parents. So at the very least, I say, honor that you had conversations with them on the other side. 
whether it was part of their sole contract to treat you badly or whether, you know, something went wrong and the sole contracts were lost. That's another matter. So if you're going to honor your parents, you don't have to honor them if they're horrible, but you have to honor your choice of being birthed through them. And family of origin work, why we chose our family, our early formative years, that's work that people don't want to do. There's usually so much pain there. Most psychologists will tell you that uh, our major dysfunctions are formed by the time we're about seven years old. Um, but it's a tremendous healing experience to sit back if you ha do not have a good relationship with your parents, um, to breathe through it and to find yourself in a place of, I chose this. Why did I choose this? My father was violent. My mother was a victim, whatever is your circumstance. Why would I have chosen this? And then you can honor the souls that inhabit the personalities of your mother and your father. And you can figure out what conversation you had on the other side before you all met up in physical form. Always remember that the personalities we play are for the game of life. Soul to soul, nobody has a problem with each other. We're all very objective soul to soul, having discussions while the human is asleep, talking about how the soul contract's going. Very objective, very civil, very polite. Even if personality to personality, we're, we're sort of killing each other. Soul to soul, we honor each other. So you see, it's not all black and white. But following the Ten Commandments, you can't just follow it. You have to understand what it is that you're doing and why. And that will lead you into, a, into an inward journey where you will meet your inner God. And then everything will make sense. Number five, thou shalt not kill. If you translate that a little bit differently from the older languages, it, it really comes out more as thou shalt not murder. And is there a difference between killing and murder? I would say yes, there is. So let's talk about this, because many people would say murder is murder. Killing is killing. It's not. It's not the circumstances around any action. It makes a difference, doesn't it? So. If I decide I'm in a very bad mood today and I go out into the street and I find a little old lady and I murder her and I take all her money just because I can, I have shed the blood of an innocent either because I'm a psychopath or I want, you know, I'm a psychopath who just wants to kill or wants to kill and, and get money. That is murder. I wouldn't recommend that. I certainly wouldn't do it. But there are many other circumstances in which you might have to take a life because what you're trying to do is stay alive. So if someone broke into my mum's house and tried to kill her and I was there, I would have to tackle that person. And being that I'm a short, somewhat overweight <laughs> little old lady, I would probably have to take action that would result in his mortality. I'm defending someone's life. I'm taking another life, but my initial objective isn't to take a life, it's to save the life of a tribal member. There are many different circumstances. Murder, killing, what about soldiers? What about military people? You know, we give people medals sometimes for engaging in behavior that a civilian would go to prison for years. What's the difference? You know, we, we do suffer on this planet from selective morality, don't we? We would say, wow, this sniper, this sniper got 72 howitzer operators. I'm just throwing some artillery out there, you know, um, and having sniped all the operators of that of those, you know, that heavy artillery, it saved thousands of our soldiers lives. Yes, the whole thing of putting on uniforms and marching against each other, it's all bullshit. It's ridiculous. 
but it's the world we live in. So we apply the commandments to the world we live in, not the world we want to live in. The sniper gets a medal. Did the sniper do the right thing? The sniper killed 72 people, but saved maybe 10,000 lives. Is that murder? I'm not going to say yes or no. These are not questions that can be answered in a black or white way. But this is what you have to think about. You know, back in the day before we had the king's common law, which I frown upon, we did have arbitrators. In Ireland, they had the Brehan laws and uh, they had similar arbitrators in different places around the world where nobody would say, you know, well, murder, mandatory 30 years, killing, uh, manslaughter, mandatory 12 years. Every case was judged on its own merit. And I think that we have to go back to that if we have a sane and civilized society again sometime in my lifetime. I'm going to push for arbitration and not common law. All right. What's another one? Number six. I think I'm on number six. Thou shalt not commit adultery. So if I remember from school. Um, it forbids. Having immoral sexual activity, specifically adultery. What is adultery? It is sex with someone else's spouse. So, and it doesn't mean just fornication. It doesn't mean just the Twinkie and the donut. It's all types of touching that result in gratification, right? Um, but it also seems to refer to, depending on which theologian you ask, it refers to unmarried people having sex, uh, prostitution, pornography. Um, one assumes homosexuality, um, masturbation, uh, bestiality, pedophilia, incense, ra in incense, have lots of incense, incest, rape, uh, orgies, that sort of thing. Certainly necrophilia. I don't know. I mean, it's the sixth and the ninth commandments. They kind of go together. But thou shalt not commit adultery. Why shouldn't you commit adultery? I would say from a very practical level, don't. You know, oh, what a web of lies, skeletons in the closet. Quite apart from the fact that if you are going to be in a monogamous relationship, if you have taken a vow to take someone and no other unto you, you should keep that vow. If you want to have an open if you want to have an open marriage, that's a different thing. You know, you go to that. But um, if you've taken that vow, then don't commit adultery. It causes all sorts of problems. And it, uh, you know, it's discord in the community. All right. Let's take a look at the other one. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not steal. Well, OK, I agree. If I decide I want something that somebody else has, there's no point in me. I mean, what do I do? Do I just go, I want this, I'll take it? No, of course not. That's wrong. But what if I'm starving? What if I have no food and I see a loaf of bread and I can't afford it? What am I supposed to do? Well, I suppose I would go up to the person who has the bread and say, I'm starving. I'm going to die. Could I have some bread? Yeah. It just basically forbids the act of taking someone else's property. It's embezzlement. Fraud. You know, all of these things. What is it? Here's the thing. Thou shalt not steal. The government steals from us all the time. I think that paying taxes is, in, is illegal. I don't think we, I think the IRS shouldn't exist. And yet it steals from us all the time. This money that people have invented, all of these as bitcoins and all, I mean, money itself, fractional banking, it, it doesn't really exist. It's all numbers in the air. We're stealing from each other all the time. If you get a credit card, you are borrowing money that doesn't exist and paying interest on the money that you borrowed that doesn't exist with more money that doesn't exist. So I think. On the other side of this, when we go back to, to common sense living, when all this collapses and we have a 
proper financial system again, fair and equitable, um, we'll learn the meaning of what thou shalt not steal. Because again, it's selective morality. The government thinks the government wants to take, what is it, unrealized capital gains tax? It wants to take money from us for selling things that we haven't even sold yet? What the? Hmm. Yeah. Right. So that was number seven. Number eight. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. What does that mean? I think it means don't deceive people. Don't tell porky pies, little lies. Be truthful to yourself and to others. Honor the divine within you and honor the truth. Oh, the easiest way for that is just don't lie. It doesn't mean you don't always have to tell the truth. Better not to say anything, I suppose. But that just means don't lie because you start to weave another web of deceit. And the easiest way to keep on the straight and narrow is not to have to remember your lies. Number nine, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife. I don't know that this applies exactly to your neighbor, <laughs> um, but it forbids, I suppose, immoral sexuality. Mm. Just don't have sex with somebody who, well, it, that is not consensual for a start, but don't, you know, I want to be very careful how I put this. I'm, I'm not a prude. I'm really not. It's very nice now that people can have sex outside marriage. Um, it's, 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 it's wonderful. It really is. But I'm not a big fan of lots of casual sex. I think that making love is a very intimate act. And it's not something that should be wasted every time you have an urge. So I think that that just says to you, keep it in check. And learn the difference between lust and love. And finally, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's goods. Well, so we've already done the stealing bit. So what's the difference with this? So now it's saying it's forbidding the wanting and also the taking of someone else's property. Now, this is... This is important. It's not just about the wanting or the taking, but it's asking you to check your feelings of greed, of envy, of jealousy. There's so much of that, isn't there? Ooh, the millionaires have got so much. The billionaires have got so much. My neighbor down the road has an Audi. I just have a Ford Escort. You know, by saying thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's goods, all of this can be worded a lot better. But what it means is look to what's in front of you. Look to what you have. If you want more, grow more for yourself and for your family. But don't resent someone who's done better than you, whether they've done it morally, immorally or whatever. Keep your mind firmly fixed on your life and how you can enhance your life, be a better version of yourself and do the same for your family. So thanks for the question. Um, that's my take on the Ten Commandments. I do advise people to meditate on the Ten Commandments because it will take you on that inward journey. And that's very important. To thine own self be true. Without that, life is not functional. It's just a half-life. You're going through the motions and you'll end up deeply dissatisfied. And I think we've had enough of wasted incarnations. We're at the precipice now, the awakening. We need to be the very best version of ourselves that we can be right now. For our sake, of course, and, and for the sake of humanity. All right, let's take one more question. Uh, and this is from Jody in San Diego, who asks, Arnie. You often use the phrase on the other side of this. I do, don't I? 
Um, I would like to ask you what you feel is appropriate as a punishment for people such as Fauci, Bill Gates, Hillary Clinton, George Soros, to name but a few, and also for all the international politicians and medical people who accepted bribes to push this evil agenda on we the people. Well, Jody, the correct answer would be whatever the law of the day decides. But, well, let's face it, correctness is not in my makeup, is it? And I'm the first to say that the law is lame and full of shit. Um, I personally care not one jot for common law. If it were up to me, we would do away with the entire corruption of the entire court system and return to the civilized arbitration of the Brehen laws. But you ask what I think is appropriate for punishment for the evil mass murderers. Hmm. Let me have a think about this as I sip my little libation. Mm. Okay, how does one punish a Luciferian sociopath? One does not. An unfeeling hard heart cannot feel pain. It can barely feel outrage. Those who have sworn allegiance to Lucifer and I know so many of you cannot wrap your minds around this concept, but it will all come out in the wash. So prepare for a hard awakening. Those who have sworn allegiance to him and done his bidding to facilitate the eradication of the population of planet Earth. By the requirements of their own rituals, their guilt must be declared by the people or by the representatives of the majority of the people in direct response to the will of the people. And once that is done, their blood must be shed. In other words, they are executed, their bodies burned, their ashes ground to fine dust and purified before being disposed of. They will not stop trying until they are killed and ritually sanitized. And as for those who do not actively worship Lucifer, but have taken the devil's money in return for money and power, well, they're not going to keep those things for long anyway. How do we deal with them? How do we deal? Um, how does one deal with pedophiles and protectors of pedophiles? How does one deal with People who keep young females in cages and use them as broodmares, taking their babies away and terrorizing them for the production of adrenochrome. How does one deal with demon infested mad scientists hell bent on murdering billions of people? How does one deal with politicians who accept money in return for turning a blind eye to mass murder and all manner of deviancy? You tell me. Ideas on a postcard, please. You know, something that comes up often from listeners who write in. A theme that runs through many questions is. This notion of what is divine or what is faith in the divine. So what is faith? A strong belief in God, in the doctrines of a religion, based on spiritual apprehension rather than proof. If we accept that we are manifestations of the divine, gods in bods, the word faith well, it sounds a bit jittery to me, actually, as in, I can't see it, but I have faith that is there. And God is too big to hold a form, and that is why we are here. Perhaps we could shift perception from having faith to cultivating a direct knowing, because that gives us a sense of alignment with the divine. At best, faith sounds, to me anyway, nebulous. But there is a big difference between being dependent on God and being aligned with the divine presence.
Well, that was a bit of fun. And um, thank you for listening to Quack. But I think that's it for Quack today. So thank you, everyone who wrote in. And let's let's keep it coming. It's interesting to see what's going on out there. But now. It's time for Tarot A Go Go. A little what the heck with your favorite tarot deck. And today's card is the Seven of Swords. So let me pick up this bad boy and let me see what's going on with it. Ah, wow. Yes. So Seven of Swords, we've got a very shifty looking character. I'm using the Robin Wood deck. We've got a very shifty character here. He's got a bunch of swords under his cloak. He's on a wall like he's making a break for it. He's obviously stolen these swords. And he's got that expression on his face. He reminds me of one of those um, thugs in an English movie. You know, the sort of the cockney hard man. Um, the whole thing has a, a feeling of stealth of guile, of trickery, you know, putting something over other people, taking advantage. I mean, he's stealing in this one. As I look at it, too, I'm not even sure that it's premeditated. I get the idea that this could have been unexpected. I mean, having your stuff stolen was unexpected or perhaps the fact that he was going to steal it. He didn't expect to do that. Sabotage comes to mind with this card. Illicit tactics. What else am I getting? Well, definitely theft, robbery, being cheated, being ripped off. Betrayal. Yep, that's a possibility. Being a victim. It's definitely. Um, it's all very dishonorable, isn't it? Very uncomfortable card. Maybe you're going to be doing some cheating or maybe. Maybe someone cheated you. The look on this chap's face in the card, he's angry, he's vengeful, he's taking revenge. Things didn't work out well for him. That's the impression I get. And he's decided to take the matter into his own hands. Mm. Deception. Crafty. I also get the impression it could be sort of moving, taking something, moving it somewhere else. Change of location sort of comes to mind. Always remembering with tarot that, you know, each card can have multiple meanings. I don't like the look of this card very much. It makes me very uncomfortable. So let me turn it upside down in what we call the challenged position. And let me see if that mood changes. Well, yes, it does. Yes, it does. Suddenly, I feel as if whatever was stolen has come back to me. Yeah, I feel quite positive. Yeah, it's back. It's back. I've got it back. Um, maybe I'm going to get an apology from someone. Maybe someone's going to say, I treated you unfairly. I'm terribly sorry. Please forgive Forgive me. Just because it's the reverse position, though, it doesn't mean it's necessarily the exact opposite of the upright position. It could mean a lesser, a lesser disruption than in the upright position. But I have to say, um, I feel very positive having flipped it around. So, the Seven of Swords. Mm. 
Caution, caution, caution. If you pick this card and it's a surprise to you, just put a pin in your head there somewhere. Pin it up in your head there and go, okay, let's see if this deceit is coming up. You know, have you signed new contracts with someone recently? Have you gone into business with someone you didn't vet properly? It could be something as simple as someone stealing your Amazon box from your porch, or it could be full-blown, you know, catastrophe. Only the other cards will tell. Well, there we are with that. That was exciting. Not one of my favorite cards, but... Uh, we have to take the good with the bad in this life. And that's how it goes. Well, my darlings, we're getting very close to the end, but not quite. Um, I think we have time for a couple of weird and wacky tidbits from the anus of history. And people have been sending some stuff in, which is lovely. I do appreciate it. Uh, let's see. Chat called Josh set this in. He goes, do you know the soccer player Maradona? I do. Well, apparently, they've made a church for him where you can worship him. It's uh, it's in Argentina. Uh, I think it's in Argentina. Um, and it's called the Maradonian Church. And this church has some very simple beliefs. It believes that Maradona was the greatest soccer player in the history of the sport. And you can pray to Maradona to improve your soccer skills. And they have, oh my gosh, I didn't see this bit. They have their own set of commandments. And if you belong to this church, you have to change your middle name to Diego. Name, naming your son Diego is one of the things you have to do. You have to change your middle name to Diego. You have to name your son Diego. And you have to spread the news of Diego's miracles. Um, th that reason being that, of course, you know, Maradona's first name is Diego. I know I'm stating the obvious, but that's my job. Well, that was fascinating. Uh, and then somebody else sent me something about the practice of self-flagellation. Not something I'm interested in, to be honest. Um, but apparently this person is. And he's letting me know that self-flagellation began as a form of penance by radicals in the Catholic Church zealots who would lash themselves in public as a demonstration of piety. Well, there's some virtue signaling, if ever there was. And back in the day, there were great processions, sometimes with 10,000 or more participants who passed through the cities with crosses and banners, beating themselves with leather thongs while chanting hymns and calling forth other zealots. And my darlings... That is why aliens don't land on this planet. That's really all I have to say on that subject. Well, we are coming up to the time. And I would like to thank everyone for listening in and for writing in. Keep them coming. Today's real life libation was a shot, a large shot of fireball whiskey. Now, Fireball Whiskey is a Canadian whiskey that is flavored with cinnamon and it is sweetened. Is it a sophisticated palate flavor? No, it is not. But is it cheap and spicy and hot and tasty? Yes, it is. Fireball Whiskey, that's not the girl you want to take home to your mother. But you certainly want to date her because who doesn't want hot cheap, spicy fun. Darlings, cocktails are great, but if they are an occasional treat, don't overdo it because we're coming up to the holiday season. Take the art of mixology seriously. Use top shelf ingredients. That's what you have to do. I won't say it again, except next week. <laughs> it's been a pleasure. I'm Annie Mad Shaman Avedisian. This was Metaphysical Martini, a production of Cosmic Reality Radio, to whom we are most grateful. Until we meet again, kick the man in the nuts and let the spirit inhabit the human. You 
have been listening to The Metaphysical Martini with Ani Appadisian, The Mad Shaman, a production of CosmicReality.com.